Chapter 8 Crisis in the Masculine Ritual Process The further I went on, the less I cared to look back. The medicine man was gone, and I felt even more connected to this unusual pair of cats. These cats had no need to be recognized as something special, and so I became less intent on trying to prove my unique separateness, but rather I was like these cats, just another part of the universe, like a tree, grass, or how water is, said the cat with the little tail. Yes, just like a cat. These animals were curious about nature, and this entire animal realm was wild and free. My awareness focused in on the cats like a spotlight when I realized these cats had no one else to be. The crisis of knowing and identification seemed so constricting and confusing to humans. Everyone's ego fought to be noticed, praised, but these animals moved with the ways of nature, and so I saw them as naturally illuminated. The light that was within them had no qualms or concerns about who they were. They were simply present, and so they accepted this nature. When we are willing to look at another person's behavior, like the hungry ghosts, their outward attitude and lifestyle is a reflection of the state of their relationship with their own self. Their individual lives were only a statement of their beliefs and values, not a statement about our value as a society of humans and creatures. And as I reflected more and more, I sensed their selfishness was not so different from the rest of our world leaders. I looked to the little cat. I could see a glimmering identity within its eyes, but I became disheartened when I realized that someday this cat with his little tail would also have to die. Everything around us was growing to bloom, but someday these leaves upon the trees would have to surrender and fall. Death was a part of our nature that we could not avoid, and I had to remind myself that this was not some error, but rather it was life's standard protocol. As difficult as it was to imagine an ending point, I wished everything could just continue on. Why did these cycles of suffering never seem to cease? O oh God in heaven, where have us creatures gone wrong? The cats began a hunt, while I searched for water and berries, and so I contemplated the last lesson when I met the hungry ghosts, and what led them to be so ruthless and scary. Surely, wherever our world had gone wrong, then that lesson was an inclination as to where we lost track from the start. Then I remembered that the medicine man called me a Potawatomi, since we were the ones who tended to the fire of the heart. Yes, we all have a fire in our soul, and this Atman keeps us alive. Under all these layers, there is a place we can sit where our soul will not cease or die. Then it must be the same with these cats. And so there was no reason to feel sad. Someday the suffering would cease. And so there was no reason to see any difference between the good and the bad. And so it's a gift that we feel so many things. But still there is a choice to see truth beyond delusions. And even if all of us were trapped in the six states of existence, then there was one big truth that could have been hidden from this illusion. We are spiritual beings, and we are placed in bodies wherever we are born. God, Creator, Ancient of Days, 
May we heal this land with our thoughts, actions, and words, so that this planet can be adored, said the broken-toothed cat. This black cat had a special glimmer in his eyes, and he was so gentle with long, soft fur. Now what was he getting at? Oh, right! He was explaining crisis in the masculine ritual process that had occurred. And so I began to wonder where the journey of masculinity had gone wrong. From that moment on, I listened to the animals where I knew my intuitive nature belonged. As I wandered along with these felines, neither of them spoke words to explain how they knew the way, but rather I could catch clues about how they knew something since it was expressed in mannerisms that words could not say. But why had they guided me toward the drunks in the bar? Were they expanding my awareness so that I could examine our nature of existence? And now they ran somewhere deep and far. I followed the cats to a rocky ridge, and no matter where we went, the creatures of this animal realm were daring and brave. I followed them into foothills of a great mountain range, and there they brought me into a hidden cave. All I had was the black poncho, the walking staff, a mysterious medicine bag, and these two flint stones. That's when I realized there was a fire pit in the back of this cavern, and at some point in time, this had been a human's home. I gathered twigs and brush, and I crafted wood around the remains of this fire. I sparked the two flint stones together when a flame ignited as heat transpired. Magic before my eyes. Oh, this was the secret within our souls. Yes, now who am I? Am I already complete, total, and whole? Hidden in this cavern was a sanctuary. I found hieroglyphs emerge from this dark space to show me outward and inner realities. Why there were signs and maps etched onto these walls from long ago about how the original man once lived along with their hunting capacities. This was a hidden wellspring of where the masculine path started, which was depicted in various pictures. There I saw in the life of the bison, antelope, and mammoth leaping beside thunder in pristine beauty across the vaulted natural architecture. Painted beside these pictures were the handprints of men, and all that was left of these artistic ancient protectors were old visuals. Now I understood that I had gathered in the same place where our ancestors met to perform primal rituals. I began to wonder if these drawings were created, in some part at least, by men and for men, and specifically for the ritual of initiation. This was the place where boys came to face reality, and this cave was an entrance into the mysterious world of male responsibility and male spirituality. But the ritual process for the making of men out of boys is not limited to our estimations about these ancient caves. The ritual initiation process still survives in many cultures to this day. The study of this ritual process could be found in reading, or it might be found in contemporary movies. Movies like ancient folk tales and myths preserve all sorts of stories. These are the stories we tell our kids about ourselves, about our lives and their hidden meaning. In fact, the initiation process for both men and women is one of the great hidden themes in many of our modern day films, movies, and screenings. 
there were stories all over these cavern walls, and I saw a painting of life long ago in the prairies. I could see there was a beginning, middle, and end to this very unique story. First I saw a young boy playing in a river with a beautiful girl. The next picture revealed how the chief noticed this young boy's interest in this beautiful daughter. The awakening of sexual interest in the boy was a signal to the wise chief, and so he appeared on the riverbank with his wife and some of the tribal elders. Then he came to surprise the young boy, and now the chief spoke and said, Young boy, your time has come to die. Everyone in the picture seemed profoundly shaken, and so the chief's wife, who represented the part of all women and mothers, began to cry. She asked, Must he die? And the chief replied, Yes. Now I could see the firelight ignite the boy's dark night, in which he is roughed by the older men in the tribe and forced into the wild forest vines, where he must fight for his life. This young boy spent nights being eaten alive by mosquitoes and ants. These pictures showed how he writhed in agony. This young boy's body was mutilated in the jaws of nature, and so I began to fear the worst as his body, skin, and bones became raggedy. But alas, the rising sun has come, and the young boy is still breathing. Upon the very end, the boy is taken down to the river by the men, and he is bathed, and all the insects and bites are washed and cleaned along with his worries and concerns. Now the chief raised his voice and proclaims, The boy is dead, and now a man is born. With that, the young boy was given his first spiritual experience, induced by a drug blown through a long pipe into his nose. Here the boy hallucinates, and in his hallucination, he discovers his animal soul, the eagle, which soars above the world in his new and expanded consciousness seeing, as if from God's eye, to view the totality of the wild world. Now the man who was once a young boy is allowed to marry, and he takes on a man's responsibility and identity. He is moved into a new position of a brave in the tribe, and someday looks to be a chief and elder and fulfill his destiny. By a miracle, the masculine ritual process was preserved, and the ways of our ancestors carry on. This was a map revealing how the spiritual path of all our souls does not fade and how we will always belong. I looked to Littletail, whose eyes focused on me with a slow blink. It was as if I could hear what he said when I heard his little mind think. It is difficult to empty the mind, but it is not necessary to go into the wild forest. You can be initiated anywhere, in here or out there, he told me. It could be said that perhaps life's fundamental dynamic is the attempt to move from a lower form of experience or consciousness to a higher and deeper level of consciousness. To go from a rugged identity to a more consolidated and structured identity. All of human life at least attempts to move forward along these lines. We seek initiation into adult responsibilities and duties toward ourselves and others. Finding this cave, I understood how tribal societies had highly specific notions about adulthood, both masculine and feminine, and how to get it. They had ritual processes like the ones written upon this cave 
to enable their children to achieve what we would call calm, secure maturity. As I reflected on the situation I was just in with the hungry ghosts, I observed how our own culture has pseudo-rituals instead. There are many pseudo-initiations for men in our culture. Enrollment into the military is one. The fantasy is that the humiliation and forced non-identity of boot camp will make a man out of you. The gangs of our major cities are another manifestation of pseudo-initiations, and so are the prison systems, which in large measure are run by gangs. We call these phenomena pseudo-events for two reasons. For one thing, with the possible exception of military initiation, these processes, though sometimes highly ritualized, more often than not, they initiate the boy into a kind of masculinity that is skewed, stunted, and false. It is a patriarchal manhood, one that is abusive to others and often of self. Sometimes a ritual murder is required of the would-be initiate. Usually, the abuse of drugs is involved in the gang culture. The boy may become an acting-out adolescent in these systems and achieve a level of development roughly parallel to the level expressed by the society as a whole in its boyish values, though in a contradiction to cultural form. But these pseudo-initiations will not produce men, because real men are not shamelessly violent or hostile. Boy psychology is charged with the struggle for dominance of others. In some form or another, it is often caught up in the wounding of self as well as others. It is sadomasochistic. Man's psychology is always the opposite. It is nurturing and generative, not wounding and destructive. As reflected in the mural of this cave, in order for man's psychology to come into being for any particular man, there needs to be a death. Death can be symbolic, psychological, or spiritual, but it is always a vital part of any initiation ritual. In psychological terms, the boy ego must die. The old ways of being, doing, thinking, and feeling must ritually die before the new man can emerge. Pseudo-initiation, though placing some curbs on the boy ego, often amplifies the ego striving for power and control in a new form, an adolescent form regulated by other adolescents. Effective and transformative initiation absolutely slays the ego and its desires in its old form to resurrect it with a new, subordinate relationship to a previously unknown power or center. Submission to the power, the mature masculine energy always brings forth a new masculine personality that is marked by calmness, compassion, clarity of vision, and generativity, which is the propensity and willingness to engage in acts that promote the survival and well-being of younger generations as a way of ensuring the long-term survival of the species. A second factor makes most initiations in our culture pseudo-initiations. In most cases, there is not a contained ritual process. Ritual process is contained by two things. The first is sacred space, and the second is a ritual elder a wise old man or wise old woman who is completely trustworthy for the initiate 
and can lead the initiate through the process and deliver him or her intact and enhanced on the other side. Initiation into the wild is not just for human boys, but kittens, birds, and all creatures die to boyhood to become men, and the initiation into these cycles of life has no beginning or end. I began to examine the role of sacred space extensively. This cave itself had been ritually sanctified and was essential to initiations of every kind. In tribal societies, this space could have been a specifically constructed hut or house in which the boys awaiting their initiation are held, like a cave such as this, or it could be the vast wilderness into which the would-be initiate is driven out in order to die or to find his manhood. A sacred space can be the magic circle of magicians, or as in more advanced civilizations, it can be an inner room in the precincts of a great temple. This space could be an inner space resting within one's own old soul. But this space must be sealed from the influence of the outside world, and especially in the case of boys, from the influence of women. Often the initiates are put through terrifying emotional and excruciatingly painful physical trials. They learn to submit to the pain of life, to the ritual elders, and to the masculine traditions and myths of society. Here they are taught all the secret wisdom of men. This is where wisdom is truly earned, and they are released from that sacred space only when they have successfully completed the ordeal to be reborn as men. That second essential ingredient for a successful initiation process is the presence of a ritual elder. This is the chief. The ritual elder is the man who knows the secret wisdom, who knows the ways of the tribe, and closely guards the myths. He is the one who lives out a vision of mature masculinity. With the scarcity in our culture of mature men, it goes without saying that ritual elders are in desperately short supply. Thus, pseudo-initiations remain skewed toward the reinforcement of boy psychology rather than allowing for movement toward man psychology. Even if some sort of ritual process exists, and even if a king of sacred space has been set up on a city street or the cell block. Looking over the land, I saw the sun rising when I understood that the crisis in mature masculinity is very much upon us. We lack adequate models of mature men, and we lack the societal cohesion and institutional structures for actualizing ritual processes. It's every man for himself and most of us fall by the wayside, with no idea what the goal of our gender drive was or what went wrong in our strivings. We just know that we are anxious, on the verge of feeling impotent, helpless, frustrated, put down, unloved, and unappreciated, often ashamed of being masculine. We just know that our creativity was attacked, that our initiative was met with hostility, that we were ignored, belittled, and left holding the empty bag of our lost self-esteem. We cave into a dog-eat-dog -dog world, trying to keep our work and relationships afloat, losing energy or missing the mark. Many of us seek the generative, affirming, and empowering father, although most of us don't know it. The father who, for most of us, 
never existed in our actual lives and won't appear no matter how hard we try to make him appear. However, as a student of human mythology, I believe there is good news. It's good news for all men as well as for women. And it is to this next chapter that we now turn. The cats and I turned to greet the morning star. And there far off in the distance, I saw the giant structure called the Order of the World. That was the system of the human realm from which I had first come. Vision has to be. Vision 